Dear Heavenly Father, let this time of our lives come to a point where we understand what it means to truly love you and to appreciate the many blessings that you have given upon our lives. May we learn today what love is and what it truly means to serve you through it. Welcome to Cross Discourse, where music, culture, and life are discussed across the media spectrum weekly to help you live a godly life. Cross Discourse, Christ is Culture. Sometimes it ain't easy Still sometimes it ain't easy 
What's up? It's your boy Anonymous coming to you with another episode of Cross Discourse. And listen, my friends, I've got a good one for you today. You might be saying, yo, that was like a love song. What's going on with Anonymous? Is he going crazy? I've mentioned it before in the past. I have a great affinity for Christian love songs. They're just hard to come by. I've been doing my research. I've been looking high and low, trying to find some good, good music for us all. And I think I have found them for you. I'm going to share them with you today. Uh, it was it was tough. You know, I just did a whole lot of research and I wanted to also wrap it around this idea of uh, a Christian love. Like, what does it mean to be loving um, in a Christian way? So today's topic is biblical romance, biblical romance. And um, I'm actually stealing this. I, I you know, I, I'm giving credit where credit is due. I'm actually taking it. From the web the website seedbed.com seedbed.com it is a christian um website they do their own podcasts and videos and small groups and bible studies and things like that but they actually have an article that i'm actually going to talk to you about biblical romance and the title of that article on seedbed is seven things the bible teaches about love and romance seven things the bible teaches about love and romance we're going to read those articles together i'm going to give my insight and i'm also going to finally tell you about some really really good music that i researched christian music uh that i just love to listen to um and i wish i had known this information when i first got marriage married because one of the songs the song actually that i played is beautiful but there are so many more um, that I wish I could play for you. All right, so let's get down to a biblical romance. Um, first of all, Seedbed um, is a website. Uh, I, I did do my research and kind of looked them up a little bit. They actually uh, heavily rely on the Wesleyan train of thought. Um, so if you're against Wesleyan or whatever, uh, that's not really my, my thing. I'm a layman. I'm not like that deep into it. I love to read the Bible and learn um, about Christ and, and, and live my life the right way, but I don't have a problem with the Wesleyan train of thinking. Um, I don't really like to argue those deep, deep points because even though I'm kind of a scholar, I, I don't really like to um, argue uh, those those semantics because I believe that when we believe and we follow Christ, we, we have to really understand what Christ's will for us is in our lives, and we really ought to stick close to that. Maybe one day I'll get so deep into it that I'll write a book based on my thoughts and everything and argue against those great scholars like C.S. Lewis and John Wesley and things like that. But uh, Wesley, excuse me, yeah, um, but I'm not there yet. So bear with me. All right. So let's get into it. Um, seven things the Bible teaches about love and romance. The first one, we're actually going to go to the book of Genesis, chapter 2, 18 and Matthew chapter 19 4, uh, 4, 4 through 6 and genesis 2 18 says this the lord god said it is not good for the man to be alone i will make you or make a helper suitable for him and then matthew 19 uh 4 through 6 says haven't you read 
He replied that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And the, the, uh, ar the article actually says romantic love is a gift from God and should be welcomed as such. And I think that is so powerful when you think about romantic love being a gift um and so it's a gift and it's and when you receive a gift in my opinion you don't really want to screw it up unless you know sometimes you know christmas gifts i know how we feel about christmas gifts but when you when you think about a gift something somebody gives to you you are appreciative and you want to take care of those things and i feel like that um we should treat our love like that and the love that when we find a mate we should be like that read more of that particular piece, I think it's a really, the, the author makes some really good points about love, but I think that that's the most important thing. Think of love as a gift and then move on from there. All right, we're supposed to enjoy it um, and it should always be within marriage and not outside of marriage, okay? Number two, come, the, the scripture that he uses in number two is actually... Um, is actually Matthew 22:30, Matthew 22:30, and it says this in Matthew 22:30. It says, "At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage; that they will be like the angels in heaven." And the point that he's trying to make is that a Christian love or Christian romantic love is not the be-all, end-all, and partners don't complete one another i remember um it's one of those uh, movies i can't remember it might be jerry Maguire, where he says you complete me and all that other stuff and, and i get that i understand that um but we know that it's a gift from god but our love number one in our lives should always be god and i truly feel that way a number one in our lives should always be god so our marriage partner is just that a partner to help us fulfill um, the goal in life that God has for us and they should actually be there to help us not stumble right and so um, you know I don't know what your marriage is like if you're married or if you're single or whatever but I've I've always spoken about my um, struggles with lust in the past and even to this day you know looking at beautiful women it it, 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 it sometimes I have to turn away turn the channel or things like that and my wife is sometimes on me because I might make a comment like oh I think I think she's pretty you know I, or, or I think she's beautiful or, I think she's you know gorgeous or whatever my wife is looking at me like yo what are you doing like you're not supposed to be talking about other women that hurts my feelings and so I forced myself to a lot of times recently as as much because I've really been thinking about this um, not to uh, make those comments, even though I might be thinking I might I kind of like, oop, I'm, I'm not going to say nothing. Don't say nothing. Just look at it. And sometimes actually my wife might actually make the comment. I'm like, see, I don't say these things, you know, because I don't want to offend you. And you're thinking the same thing. But I think it hurts her because I'm pointing it out. But I always, always, always try to let my wife know that I think she's beautiful. I always tell her that she's beautiful because I believe that she is beautiful. She is the most beautiful woman in my life and the most beautiful woman I know. Um, and I want her to feel that way, even though sometimes she doesn't feel that way. But so number two, we need to know that 
romantic love is not the end-all be-all and partners don't complete one another. I think that's important as well because while we don't complete one another, we definitely support one another. And if you read this, it has some other um, points that it wants to make, uh, particularly Matthew 22 says that when we get to heaven, we're no longer married. We are single, right? And, uh, and it goes even further to say that Paul actually talks about celibacy um, Paul actually talks about celibacy being better for you than being married. And he uses the verse or the author uses the verse 1 Corinthians seven twenty nine through 31. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as they do not. And those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them for this world in its present form is passing away. And if you are a Christian, you know that there is an end to this life, to this world, and that we are going to be in heaven rejoicing, glorifying God. And we are going to be like angels and we need to focus on this world as if, you know, that our marriage is just to help us get to that point, help to bring lives to Christ. Um, bring lives to God and to live our life for his purpose and that that partner is just to help us do that. He also uses Psalms. He also uses Psalms 73, 25 and 26 to uh, kind of hammer home this point. And he says, or Psalm 73 says, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you my flesh and my heart may fail but god is the strength of my heart and my portion forever the thing i like about this verse is verse 26 because it speaks to me this i don't know how it speaks to you but it speaks to me my flesh and my heart may fail but god is the strength of my heart and my portion forever so when you think about it like that you know that you are always thinking, you are always putting God number one, and partners are just that to kind of help support you in living out that purpose. Number three, number three, romantic relations should not be based on love. Uh, I'm sorry, should be, ooh, should not be based on love. What are you talking about, Anonymous? Are you crazy? Of course, romantic relationships should be based on love and mutual submission i know i get in a, a lot of trouble for this one mutual submission um and it talks about the love chapter first corinthians 13 i'm not going to read that we've gone over that one too many times but ephesians 5 21 is where he the author i'm gonna check to see if this author is female or male i don't know i haven't it's a male andrew dragos or Dragus is the author. So I, when I say he, I've been correct. Okay, I don't want to offend anybody. It was a woman that wrote it. No, it was a guy. Um, but romantic relationships should be based on mutual love and uh, uh, should be on based on, yes, mutual love, but also mutual submission. And Ephesians 5.21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Christ and he says this love is marked by self-sacrifice and mutual submission implying that each person should find their identity primarily in Christ 
not in their spouse. So when you talk about that, um, you need to uh, kind of hold one another accountable um, and you need to also just be able to help one another when they stumble and give them advice and talk to one another and always use the Bible, that model that was presented in 1 Corinthians 13 to say, hey, are you being loving? Are you um, displaying the models uh, shown to us by Christ? And, and we should submit to that, uh, mutually submit, submitting to one another because men, you're not always the, the ones that are right. Trust me, I know sometimes I have been completely wrong. And my wife will definitely, definitely let me know when I'm wrong. She'll be like, hey, no, 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 no. This is that. And, and, and in, in my anger, I have to just sit down and think like, you know what? She was right. I hate to admit it. She was right. Um, and so I, I try my best to be um, submissive in that regard to my wife. Number four, four, four. There is a time for love, and that time is not any time. There is a time for love, and that time is not any time. Ecclesiastes 3, 8 says, A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. And that is, I love that. That's actually Probably my favorite book in the whole Bible is Ecclesiastes, uh, where he kind of goes through a whole different, a lot of different times for this time for that. And it's very poignant. But the point that we are trying to make is that sometimes you are not ready to be in a relationship. Some, sometimes you're just not ready. And, and it comes to the point where, you know, a lot of people are constantly looking for love, looking for you know, this, and that's their sole purpose. I need a husband. I need a wife. I need a this. I need a that. And the time hasn't come yet. And I'm going to tell you, you know, personally, I actually went through that time. Um, I prayed and it was a terrible prayer, but I prayed, God, just let me find my woman. No, I should have been focusing on God. I should have been focusing on the things that God wanted me to do. And trust me, if I had done, I probably would have been a lot stronger in my faith now. Uh, but I wasn't focused on those things. Now, it, I'm, it, it's never too late to refocus or redouble your efforts on God. Um, and he will give you again. Remember, number uh, number one said that romantic love is a gift. And so it's not always your time. And, and again, one of the earlier ones, sometimes you aren't even supposed to, you know, Paul has already told us it's better to be celibate. It's better to be single than it is to be married. And in fact, I feel like when you're married, so many things happen in your marriage. Uh, there's so many problems, so many issues that can happen that your focus isn't even on God. Your focus is on family. Your focus is on the woman. Your focus is on the children. And you, you've taken focus away from God. And it really shouldn't be like that. You should be focused on God and everything else should be falling into place. So I think it's very important for us to focus on God first. And if I knew these things uh, when I was a child, maybe I would not have been married. I don't know. Um, I know that I am married now and I do enjoy my marriage. I don't want my wife to think I don't enjoy my marriage because I do. But there are times where people feel like, you know, I want I just want to be married. And it's not necessarily godly. Song of song. The, the Song of Solomon says in chapter two, verse seven, daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field. Do not arouse or awaken love until it so 
desires. We need to be focused on other things. We need to be focused on what God has wants for you. Um, There's so many people that I grew up with that I know um, who have had children at uh, such a young age, um, and now they're in their 40s or 30s, and they're they're kind of just getting their lives back a little bit or getting their lives back on track and they aren't where they are maybe should have been or could have been maybe they had dreams to be doctors lawyers um things of that nature and they and they got sidetracked because they wanted to focus on love they aroused themselves earlier than the way they were supposed to be um, and the, the point that this uh, number four is actually trying to say is we really shouldn't even be casually dating. We shouldn't be out there just dating people, um, you know, just because we want to have fun. or We want to have somebody, you know, if if you're interested in someone um, and you're focused on God, I feel like, you know, you can hang out with them, you know, male or female. Not say I don't, you know, just hang out with them. And if it happens to be someone of the opposite sex. You know, and you start to develop uh, uh, feelings for one another, then you can explore that in terms of the godly way, you know, where people used to say as courtship, maybe approaching um, someone that they are familiar with, a, a, a pastor, a minister, a, a, a family member, and, and expressing your desire, or even letting them know, hey, look, this is what I want um, I, at this point. I have been aroused. My love has been aroused and I'm, I'm ready to settle down. What about you? And if their answer is no, I'm not ready, then you should move on. Um, you shouldn't linger and hope and pray that that's the person for you. I think that, again, your mindset has shifted from God to that person um, and that can become dangerous. All right. So Ephesians 2, 4 through 7 says this, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms of Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And what this means is that your worth is not determined by your relationship status. Um, so you are wonderful just the way you are. Again, our, our Christian marriages and our Christian relationships do not define us. Our relationship to Christ should define us. And then the love, the romantic love that we get, again, is a gift from God. And so our worth is found in Christ alone, according to Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. Number six, those who are seeking should focus their highest energies on becoming the ideal spouse, not finding the ideal spouse. Hmm, this is important. I wonder how many people actually understand what I just said, because maybe maybe they don't understand the meaning of this. Uh, So I'm going to say it again. If you're out there and you're looking for love, those who are seeking should focus their highest energies on becoming the ideal spouse not finding the ideal spouse. And this is actually 16 verses, and I don't want to waste too much time because I've been here for about 25 minutes already in this podcast. Um, So let me just read it. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. 
There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Why does he ascended mean, what does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds up in love as each part does its work. So that's very, very important. We need to become the ideal people and becoming the ideal spouse is really focusing on our work in the body of Christ. And then, you know, if you can no longer handle it or whatever and you find someone, you express yourself still focusing on God and that partner that and say, hey, I need a partner. Are you down? Pretty much. And then that partner comes to you. I mean, this is just, you know, I, I'm this is how I'm reading it. Maybe you have a different opinion of it. Maybe you feel like God is calling you to be somebody's wife or PK or whatever, or preacher's wife or preachers or preacher or whatever. But I'm not reading it that way. You are saying, hey, I can no longer handle this. I need a partner. Um, I'm going to focus on God while I'm, you know, doing my thing. And if someone says, hey, you know what? I would love to be your partner in this. Let's do it together. Then, you know, I feel like, you know, you can come together and form a bond that is so much more that is so much better and stronger than anything else. I'm going to tell you, you know, I went looking for a wife um, and I don't I, and I'm not I'm going to be honest. I wasn't the ideal mate. I wasn't. I'm, I'm, I'm still struggling to get to that point. And I constantly have to be in my Bible, constantly have to pray and constantly have to have God get me right, because I know that my wife deserves so much more than I've been giving her. And it causes strife in our relationship. And that is because I didn't focus first on becoming the mature Christian that God wanted me to be. Uh, and, and to bring glory to his name. I was focusing on me, and that is one of the biggest sins that, um, not necessarily regretting it because I love my marriage, but it's one of the biggest sins that has uh, hurt me throughout the years that I've been married, if that makes any sense to you. And finally, number seven, romantic love is a symbol and pointer to our unique relationship with God. There are so many verses here I can't get through uh, to all of them, but we will go to Hosea 2.14 that says this, therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And the point that he's trying to make here is that God that that God is betrothed to his people. And there are so many different verses here uh, Isaiah 62, 5, Jeremiah 2, 2, 2 Corinthians 11, 2, and Revelation 7, uh, 19, 7 through 8 that talk about God being, um, you know, 
or us being his bride, right? So we need to focus on being ourselves and um, and because uh, God is betrothed to his people and it's a metaphor, we need to treat our relationship, our marriages um, as we treat our relationship to God. And I will point out this as well. I believe that my relationship to my wife is a mirror of my relationship to God. You know, a lot of things that I'm struggling with um, in terms of God, maybe it's, um, you know, being sidetracked, not focusing on God fully. When I'm in my marriage, I notice that a lot of troubles come when I start focusing elsewhere instead of focusing on the marriage, making my wife feel good. You know, if I, you know, I'm trying to give you a really good example um, without kind of going into too much detail. But for instance, let's say, you know, my wife is feeling unloved or she's not feeling uh, like I, I truly uh, think think of her as beautiful. Maybe it's because I'm not bringing her flowers. I'm not complimenting her. I'm not doing the things that make her feel that way. And in the same in the same breath and uh, in, in, in my relationship with God, I might start feeling like uh, I'm not close to God. I don't have that relationship to him. And it's probably because I'm not reading my Bible. It's probably because I'm not praying as much as I should. Um, I'm being fair weathered with him as I'm being fair weathered with my wife. And a lot of times I see that in my relationships. All right. Um, and then the last verse uh, that he ta he uses in here is 1 Corinthians seven thirty nine. And it says a woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. We need to always focus on um, being with someone who is Christ centered. I know a lot of us think that we can uh, bring other people to Christ uh, in a, while we're in a relationship with them. But the Bible always talks about being unequally yoked. All right. I gave you a lot of uh, information here. Um, one of the things that I remember, and maybe you uh, haven't heard of this, but look up Sacred Love Songs uh, by T.D. Jakes. It's actually a, a gospel gospel i say in quotation album um but love songs that uh try to have like a biblical mindset to them td jake's sacred love songs there are some really good ones in there um usher me is one of my favorites uh, lost without you by bb and cc winings and the song that i actually played for you is searle uh that came out so many years ago and that the name of that was my vow to you all right, family, I'm way past 30 minutes, but that is it. I'm going to say peace. I'm going to say I love you. But if you got any questions, comments, thoughts, or, or anything about this, email us at crossdiscourse at gmail.com. And I will see you on the other side. Peace. <laughs>